Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. With the teaching, I believe um, Deacon Newton, you want to come up and share why you know God exists. Did we miss anybody else? Okay. To God be the glory. Uh, I just want to share tonight how I know God exists. Um, I want to share a testimony with you. Back in 2007, um, my daddy was hospitalized, and um, we started out in Panama Moore here in Burgo, and we were there for the month of end of July throughout the month of August with him, and then they were saying that he was good, so we brought him home. He come home, and so. Uh, a few days later, he got sick again. He quit eating. He had run the fever again. So we, that time, we took him back to New Hanover, and he was there from the month of August through September. But anyway, though, during that time, they were saying that they couldn't, they didn't know what was wrong with him. He wasn't eating, and also they, they didn't feed him through a, uh, like a tube, and that they fed him intravenously through his veins to just keep his nutrition and vitamins and all that going in him. But, um, they was telling the family, they said, well, we don't know, you know, ain't nothing that we could do because uh, we don't know. We still run all these tests and everything. We can't find out what the problem is. And so we were just there. And then um, I was the apostle. Apostle <clears throat> had called me and she told me, she said, you know, she said, God said, and I'm telling you, I got a word from the Lord. She said, God said, your dad is going to be fine. Your dad shall live and not die. Your dad is these doctors are not going to be able to help him. It's not that the, uh, the doctors are going to be able to do for him. So God's addition is on him. And so in spite of all of this, you know, that was going on, I grabbed hold to that word. I kept saying to myself, I said, God see, and I was telling my family, God see, my daddy going to live. And um, so in doing that process of time, they would say, well, we're going to have to admit him in Chapel Hill. We're going to send him to Chapel Hill. And I was telling the pastor, I said, in spite of all this stuff, I said, they still want to send him to Chapel Hill, you know, apostle said, God said, your daddy's going to be just fine. And I said, I'm going to tell you this too. He said, he's going to walk out of the hospital. He's going to walk out. So we went to Chapel Hill. We went to Chapel Hill for over about a month and a half with him. And they were saying the same thing. Um, we don't, we can't find out what the problem is. Um, there's not much we can do. We just keep, you know, keep him strengthened up. And, and then they said, if he came back uh, home, they said we had to have horse pillar base, we had to have rails on the side of the house, had to have these um, ramps and stuff built, and all these things that we, we would have to have. Just to let them you know, like, if we did take them back home. So anyway, about that, and that very same week they were telling us all this stuff, um, that, that very same week they were telling us all this stuff that was going on with him, and we was like, well, I guess we get prepared to do this and do that. I held on to that word, God said, God said, God said, that my daddy shall live. 
And God said, he said, walk out of this hospital. And, and, and mind you, during the time, he wasn't walking. He was not walking in. And so that very same week, um, me and Kelsey was up there, and he said, they were saying, but he couldn't eat. And Kelsey said, well, may I ask you, when the last time have you get him a swallowing test? They said, well, it's been a few days. She said, well, well try it again. Try it again. So anyway, they gave him a swallowing test, and he eat some jello. And um, so, so the man started eating, eat some jello that day. They said, well, they got mad because, well, I'm telling you this right here, they got mad with us because they wanted to do a surgery on him. They wanted to start cutting on him. He told me, he said, no. He said, they're not cutting on me, Rick. They're not, don't, they're not cutting him because, so they called me and they said, well, Rick, they said, if you say it's okay for us to cut on him, they said, we can still cut on him. Do what they were going to say, no, no. I said, he said, no, no, no cutting on him. But anyway, though, so after that, he started, <clears throat> after he ate that jello, and they got mad, and they brought him a plate of food in that evening of the next morning. You remember that kid? Well, that same evening. A whole plate of food and a big old chi- uh, chicken, uh, chicken, butter, beef. It was just a big four-course meal for him to sit there and eat it. Want him to eat it. Said, well, he can eat it. Let him eat this. So anyway, though, my sister, she fed him some vegetables, and he eat that. All this happened in the same week now, the same week now. So that Friday, they called, and by him going to three hospitals, you know, from, from Pender County to New Hanover County, all that, his insurance company, they were kind of processing things a little slow, and they kept asking, well, it, it, it had anything from the insurance, you know, this and that. I said, yeah, that's processing. that be a little time. So by that end of that week, they had heard from the insurance company like they wanted to. They said, he can go home. He can go home because they weren't concerned about him. They were concerned about that bill getting paid, is it, you know, uh, the, the uh, insurance and all. They said, he can go home. But lo and behold, but God. When I called my sister, I said, sister, I said, said, my daddy can come home. She said, come home. I said, yeah. They said, come get him today. And I said, me and Kelsey can't get there until about you know, three hours. So um, she said, I can be there in an hour. So she went and got him. She said, when she got there, they had him in a wheelchair out and down in the lobby waiting on her. This man got up out of that chair, walked to her vehicle, got in the truck. After they said, they, they sent him home. Well, first of all, it's right here. They sent him dead home to die. They said, we're going to leave here. And they asked him home to die. So anyway, but God said that he was going to even walk out of the hospital. This man walked out of the hospital, got in her truck with two Tylenol. He gave about two Tylenol pills for pain, that pain he was in. Two Tylenols in his hand to take him, take this for pain and take him home. But that was 2007, 2023. I give God glory. My dad is going strong, getting good reports. I just give God glory because that was a miracle. Because God said, amen. Amen. Won't God do it? So that they should know that God does exist because they could do nothing. And that's why our dependency have to really be on him and we have to hold on to the word that he's given us. But we got to be able to hear him. I want to add a little bit more to um, how do we know that God exists. I want to make sure that we get everything that we need to get. So when people ask us, we'll have an answer. We always supposed to have an answer, a reason for what we believe. And those answers come from the word of God. So let's look again at Romans 1, 18 through 20. I want to go back over this scripture because it was something else in there that I want to bring out on how do we know that God exists. I'm reading out the Amplified. For God, holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperable inoperative for that which is known about God is evident to them 
and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself have shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made his handiworks. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification. What I want to bring out tonight is every unbeliever, every atheist, that's out there has a knowledge within them that let them know that God exists. It's already in them. When we look at verse 19, it says, For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God Himself has shown it to them. So nobody is without excuse. Unbelievers are aware that God does exist. They may say that they don't know it. And we went over how we can look at nature and we know that it had to be God to make the sky, to make the stars, to make the moon. But on the inside of every unbeliever, there is knowledge that God exists. That's an intuitive knowledge that God does exist. There is no excuse. So if a person die without being born again and they stand before the father, even if they did not have the gospel introduced to them, there is no excuse. They will be judged because they know. Let me move a little bit further to give you some proof. Romans 2, 14 through 15. Romans 2, 14 through 15. It reads, those who are not Jews, which is Gentiles, do not have the law, but when they freely, by nature, do what the law's command, commands, they are the law for themselves, reveal their awareness of God's law. So see, this is what it's saying. The Jews had the laws. They got those laws from Moses. The Gentiles did not get those laws from Moses because they were not the Jews but it says when those Gentiles know what the law is saying being aware of the law without having the law they have become a law for themselves because they are aware of it this is true even though they do not have the law the written laws of Moses they show that in their hearts they know what is right and wrong just as the law commands so inside of every believer, there are laws of God. This is proven, y'all. And I can say, and we'll say this together, because I, I use these, at, this is as an example. If a man or a woman go commit adultery with a married man or a married woman, you feel guilty because you, you know it's not right. Is that true? And it's an unbeliever. If an unbeliever, which is a male or female, commit adultery with a man or woman, you know deep down inside, in your heart, you know it ain't right. Is that not correct? By you knowing that it's not right. Sonia, I'm going to call you up here for this because you did a testimony. Come up here. By you knowing it's not right, 
there is your conscience begin to condemn you. Begin to condemn you, letting you know that wasn't right. But even after that, you have a choice. Can you explain that to us through your testimony that you had last time? Before you met Brother Terry. Can you guys hear me? Is it on? <laughs> Don't hit it. Let me see. I know. I know I, I'm yeah. Because Athea, she, she know yeah. what you're hitting. And even if. Hello. Um, well, you just know that it's not right. And my lame excuse was, well, I don't know his wife. I didn't know he had a wife till things started. I had all kind of excuses and, and um, it was really hurt. The reason why I was acting out and doing this and I didn't care if you saw me and I saw you, you looking at me, I'm looking at you. I don't care. I didn't care then. And, but a part of you just knows, you know, this is all right. Okay. Let me ask you a question. When you met this married man, did you know he was married? No. Okay. But when you found out he had a wife, how did you feel? I, I didn't care. But I did know that this was wrong. I had Stop right excuses. There. You knew it was wrong. I knew it. When you found out within that it was wrong, because you knew adultery is wrong. wrong. So when you found out it was wrong, did your conscience condemn you? Yes. That's all I need to know. Yes. Definitely. So even dealing with adultery, dealing with fornication, or dealing with a lie, how many of us? When we were unbelievers, somebody asked us a question. It may have been our parents, and we did not give them the truth. We know it was wrong, but we continued with that lie. But every time we looked at our parents, did our conscience condemn us to let us know? Now, you know that wasn't right. You know you should have told them the truth. Is that not right? I don't know about y'all. But I, I tell a quick one when I know I was in trouble. And I'll stick with it and I'll be hearing, you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. You know you need to tell them the truth. I wouldn't dare do it because I say I'm not getting no whooping. So I stuck with the lie. So this is what's going on here. An unbeliever do know what's right and wrong. But it's the choice that they make. This is what we got to understand. An unbeliever knows right from wrong because they have an intuitive knowledge on the inside of them that lets them know what's right and what's wrong. Your conscience will accuse you and let you know that's not right. We'll go on further. It says in verse 15, they show that in their heart they know what is right and wrong just as the law commands. The requirements of the law, listen at this, are written on their hearts. These are the Gentiles, the unbelievers. And they show this by their consciousness, their hearing witness. Sometimes their thoughts, he'll go with the thoughts, tell them they did wrong, accuse them, and sometimes their thoughts tell them they did right, defend them. This is proof. That without even looking at nature, you have an intuitive knowledge on the inside of you 
an unbeliever, and it lets them know what they're doing is not right because those laws are there. Give you another example. When you see a stop sign and nobody never told you, you had to stop there. (laughs) But when you see that stop sign, you know it's not right to run it. How many? Come on, let's be honest. We know that, right? But then you hear a voice to say, run it. Nobody won't catch you. Come on. Some of you Christians hear that too, the Holy Spirit, but you don't listen. Run it, ain't nobody looking. So we have, when we were unbelievers, we have this knowledge of right and wrong already on the inside of us. That's how we know that there is a God. Okay? Let me give you something else. I'm going back to the beginning in Genesis 2, 16 through 17. This is a familiar passage. Expanded Bible. The Lord commanded him, you may eat the fruit from any tree or all the trees in the garden, but you must not eat the fruit from the tree which gives the knowledge of good and evil. Eating from this tree will make Adam, not God, the determiner of right and wrong. See, once he eats from that tree, he's going to know right from wrong. God created them just to know what was right, what was good. If you ever eat from that tree, you will certainly die, surely die. We know what happened, right? They ate from the tree. But look what happened after they ate from that tree. I'm still going back to an unbeliever, one that's in sin. Genesis 3.10. When God was asking a question or coming into the garden in the cool of the day, this is how Adam responds. He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why did he hide? Guilt. He know he was wrong. So this tells you, unbelievers know what's right and what's wrong. They still have a choice to do right or to do wrong. Come on, we'll back it up through the Bible. Do y'all remember going through the Bible with God finding a righteous person? He found Noah because Noah was righteous before the Lord. Even though sin was around Noah, Noah chose to serve God. You look at Abraham. It was sin around Abraham. But what Abraham decided to do to serve God, he decided to do right. Guess what? Jesus hadn't even come yet, right? So he didn't have, they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them at all. They just took whatever God said and they did it. So this will let you know nobody is without excuse, y'all. Nobody's uh, without excuse because when we stand before God, whether they heard the gospel or not, they still going to be judged because they're without excuse. So this is why it is a must while we're in this discipleship class to know what the word of God is saying so we can give them the opportunity to know the righteousness of God. When we minister the gospel, the good news, we're not giving them the wrath of God. We're giving them the righteousness of God because on the inside, they already know God's wrath. They already know what they're going to get from doing wrong. Give you an example, a child. If you tell a child not to touch the stove 
And that child touched the stove. You don't have to tell a child that they're going to get a spanking. Do you? Do anybody have to tell a child? They're going to brace for that spanking. They're going to go hide because they know and they told me not to. So on the inside of them, they know. Bless her heart, little Jada. <laughs> Jada was knowing, I believe, when she was one. I ain't going to lie. Because when she would do something, we should know this. Don't spank me, daddy. Don't spank me, daddy. Before he even say he's going to spank her. Where would that come from? A child knows what's going to happen. See, it's in them already. But it gets to the point that they get so brave <laughs> that they just say, you're going to have to spank me because I'm going to do it anyway. I remember this right here. We were in the car. Jada's just so funny, but God uses her so much. But <laughs> She's so funny. She told me, she said, me, ma, I got something to tell you. I said, what is it, Jada? She said, well, I, daddy told me not to eat them Oreos. I believe it was Oreos. And he asked me, did I eat those Oreos? I told daddy, no, I didn't eat those Oreos. She said, but me, ma, I had one in my mouth. And I didn't tell daddy the truth. And the other one, Bella got it, which was the dog. So I didn't tell daddy the truth, Mima. So Mima, this is what I'm going to do. I said, what, Jada? I'm just going to just tell him the truth and just go ahead and get a beating. I'm going to go ahead and get a whooping, Mima, because I was wrong. This is what she said. I was wrong. Oh, my heart just melted. And I believe that was the heart of God because I said, okay, I, I called Jeremy. I said, look, Jada got something to tell you. So I'm waiting to hear his response. So Jada said, daddy, you remember you asked me, did I have any, any snack? And I told you, no, daddy. So she explained the whole thing to him. Oh, here come that daddy coming out. Did I not tell you not to lie to me? Daddy, I said, hold it. The point is, she came back and she told you the truth. I had to jump in then because I'm like, ooh, he's going to tear her behind up. So this is what I'm saying. That's how God is with us. So she told the truth dealing with what she done because guess what? Her conscience, her conscience was letting her know that she was wrong and she had to get it right. She had the choice to, come on y'all, this girl is five years old. A five-year-old knowing what they done and they want to make it right with daddy. Y'all, that just touched my heart. I'm just listening to this. So I'm like, God, look at you. So that proves that we know what's right and we know what's wrong, but we make the final choice. God does not make us do anything. He gives us a choice with what we do. So, so that was Jada. Jada made that choice. <laughs> so 2 Samuel 24.10, expanded Bible. This was David. Y'all know David was going through with Saul. And Saul was out to kill David. David had an opportunity to kill Saul. So it says in verse 10, David felt ashamed 
David's heart conscience troubled him. After, well, I'm dealing with him numbering Israel. Let me get to Saul. David's heart conscience troubled him after he had counted, taken a census of registered number, the people. He said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by what I have done. Lord, I beg you to forgive me. Take away the guilt, the iniquity of your servant, because I have been very foolish. Now, remember, David did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But David had a conscience. He knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. But, but check this, y'all. Even though David knew it was wrong, the enemy was there. And the enemy was in the midst of that. And the enemy was telling David, go ahead and number Israel. David didn't have to never number Israel because God was on his side. And no matter how many he had, the battle was already won. His trust, his confidence, his reliance was on God. But the enemy wanted him to disobey God by numbering Israel. And when David done it, David's heart conscience troubled him come on we we don't have a person in this room that heart don't bring forth what God said and then your conscience begin to trouble you you begin to feel troubled you begin to feel like oh that wasn't right David knew what he'd done wasn't right and immediately David repented Go with me to Psalms 51. I want to show you something. And everybody's using this scripture. And I believe it's used out of content. We sing it. We pray it. Um, let me find it. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away away from your presence do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your holy spirit from me david was asking god to create in him a clean heart because jesus hadn't come so david knew how his heart was so david was speaking forth god create in me a clean heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. David did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit like we believers do. Because David was not born again. David's heart was only after the heart of God. So David kept messing up, but his heart did not turn away from God because he came back to God and he repented. But with us... The Holy Spirit is indwelling us because we're born again. The Holy Spirit identifies us as a son of God. So when we do something, the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness. But they didn't have the Holy Spirit then. back then. They had the Holy Spirit coming upon, but the Holy Spirit was not indwelling. So do not pray. Create in me, God, a new heart. You got a new heart. You got the heart of God. He said, I will put my heart within you. I will give you a heart of what? Flat. I got to go back. Say it, um, Evangelist Newton. That's it. He would take away the stony heart, that hardened heart. 
Lord, whoever that ambulance is going after God, we speak peace in the name of Jesus. We speak healing in Jesus' name. We bind fear and we lose your love and we say peace be still. And by Jesus' stripes, they already heal before they get there in Jesus' name. So we see that sometimes we pray things that's outside of the will of God. When you know who you are in God, you're not asking for something you already got. The reason why our hearts become hard And the reason why we can't love like God is because we get more sensitive to the things of the world than we do to God. That that's the problem with our new hearts. It's got blockers before it. And that heart has to be um, cleansed through the with the word of God. So we see here that David's heart, his conscience troubled him. And then David began to repent. Here go another incident in first Samuel 24, 5. Later David felt guilty. David's conscience bothered him. The heart and mind of David struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. See, David could have killed Saul. He had the opportunity. But David knew, touch not my anointed. Do my, what, profit no harm. So what David was doing here was, he said, vengeance belonged to God. I'm going to let God handle Saul. I'm not going to mess with Saul. But his heart, he felt guilty. Even when he cut off a piece, it said of his robe, the corner of Saul's robe, he felt guilty. So I'm saying tonight that people that are unsaved, unbelievers, when they stand before God, go to Luke 12, 47 through 48. None of us have an excuse. Listen at this, and that servant who knew his master will, now listen at this, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many scribes. I'll say that's me and you. When we know what God's will is and we don't prepare our hearts to do God's will, but we know what his will is, If God is telling me, I want you to handle this with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, I want you to go, whatever God's will is, and I know what it is, and I refuse to do his will, when I stand before God, I'm going to be held accountable for that. But I'm going to be held more accountable because I knew. Then it says, but he who did not know, listen, yet committed things deserving of scribes shall be beaten with few. It said he did not know, meaning that he did not know, but he's still going to be judged because everybody, unbelievers, know what's right and know what's wrong. You may not have heard it from somebody, but inside of you, you knew that ain't right. And then it says, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much be required and to whom much have been committed of him they will ask the more that means if I am teaching you the word of God if I'm teaching you the word on adultery and I'm telling you the Bible this is what the Bible say dealing with adultery and I'm teaching it but I go out and do what I'm telling you not to do when I'm aware that it's wrong when I stand before God I'm going to get it more than the person that didn't hear it 
but yet do it. So we have to know what the word is saying. Once we know what the word is saying and we have knowledge of that word, we're more accountable. When you have not heard the word, but on the inside of you, your conscience, your heart is telling you it's wrong. Guess what? You still going to get judged. You still going to go through it, but it's not going to be like somebody else who knew. Go back. Let's go back to Acts 17. I'm going as the Lord showed me. Acts 17. I want to find the part. I'm trying to find the exact word I'm looking for. Okay, verse 30. In the past, people did not understand God, and he ignored this. Or God overlooked such times of ignorance. What that means is, you know how we say, now God winks at ignorance. When you're ignorant, you don't know, right? You know why you don't know? Because you don't have knowledge of it. But once you hear me tonight, you have knowledge of what you did not know, right? So you cannot stand before God after you left out of here and tell God, I didn't know that. God said you did know. You're not ignorant no more because she presented it to you. A person who did not know by hearing it from me, they still had an intuitive knowledge on the inside of them knowing right for wrong, even though they didn't hear it being given to them. Do y'all understand where I'm coming from? I'm making it plain. I think I made it plain with Jada. I think I made it plain with Sonia. You still know there is no excuse. You know what gets me with people? This is what gets me with people. When it comes to adultery, you hear, I didn't know you know, that's all I saw when I was raised up. It's just in me. That's an excuse. Because anything that you don't want to do, being unsaved, you don't do it. Is that true? That's true. But we got to quit using a, an excuse. Yes, there are generational curses. And I'll say when I was not saved and I saw some things in my life that maybe my dad did or maybe some relatives did, I did not do it. Because I chose not to and I wasn't saved. It's what you choose to do and what you choose not to do. But when your flesh get used to doing it, it's going to keep on doing it because the flesh is desiring that. So this is why, and I got to use Willie. I, my, my spiritual antennas is just popping up for Deacon Willie over there. Just popping up for Deacon Willie over there. Deacon Willie. You want to come up? I'm gonna, I want you to answer this question to help us out. Look how Sister Nice looking. She said, oh, no, what in the world is she going to ask my husband? I believe Deacon Newton know what I'm going to ask her. De- Deacon um, Willie. This is a question for you. We're going to help some unbelievers tonight, right? When you had your little black book, get in there. Pick up that. Don't look at me like that. We're helping somebody. That's all. We're helping somebody. 
when you had your little black book, how many names you had in that book? Mm-hmm. That you can recall. Now, he ain't the same man, y'all. This is his unsaved life, okay? This stuff. <laughs> you ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. You're a new man. You're a new creation. It's on. Is it on? We got to hear this. You can pull your mask down. Ain't nobody around you because they need to hear you. It's on. The green light on. Mm-hmm. It is now. So how many names was in the book you said? <laughs> My wife said seven. <laughs> it was seven names in there, right? That's what she said, but no, nah, it was it was it was full. It was full. Yeah. He said it was full. Let me ask you a question, Deacon. Did you know at some point that those names in that book you had no right being with? Oh yeah. How did you know? Because I knew it was I knew it was wrong, you know, even though I wasn't saved, you know, I knew it was, you know. I was sinning, you know. How did you know? Like James well, Brown, you had that feeling. Well, yeah. Well, I'm a, I put it this way. I, I, I just knew of what, you know, what I was told because, I, you know, at that time I didn't know anything about the Bible, you know, but I've always heard that, you know, that was wrong, you know, to do that. So I just knew it was wrong, you know, in that sense. Okay. You knew it was wrong in that sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you knew it was wrong, why did you keep doing it? Uh, because I wasn't saved for one, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the Lord, didn't have no conviction of what I was doing. You had, so. no, you had no conviction? None. <laughs> okay, hold it right there. He said, why didn't you have none? You say you knew it was wrong. But why didn't you have a conviction of it? You didn't have a nudging. You didn't have, you, you wasn't guilty. You didn't feel guilty. At all. No. Yeah. Okay. Because, I, because then, you know, back then, it was like, you know, it was a man thing, you know. The more women you could pull, the, man, the more men you, you know, you were. Okay. You hear what he said, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Brother Calvin, come up here. Come on now. Come on. Come on. I want you. I want you. You heard everything he said, right? You heard everything he said. <laughs> no, I just want you to explain what he said. You heard what he said. He said, he said his book was full. He knew it was wrong, but he said he had no conviction, basically, and it didn't bother you. That it was wrong. Why wouldn't it bother him? There go the mic right there. Well, his flesh got used to doing, you know, what he was doing. Um, Also, again, like I said, he wasn't saved at the time, you know. But in the beginning, I think there was a a little conviction had to be there. Because, you know, we do it wrong too, you know, especially if you're married. Okay, okay. 
if you mess with another woman, if you and if you ain't married, she married, then yeah, that conviction is there. Okay, honey, you come up. <laughs> come on, we 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 real. People need to hear this. Well, what he said? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, he he had to be convicted. He said he knew it was wrong. So right, but he said after a while, he kept doing it. And what did you say, um, Brother Willie? Okay, so you didn't feel no guilt. The only guilt he felt was when he couldn't pull the one he wanted to pull. No, 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 no. Um, thank you. Not you. He said that's the only guilt he felt. Where do y'all think I'm going with this? Because I'm going to go somewhere with it. Do we have another gentleman that want to uh, get in on that one? No other gentleman want to get in on that one. Some of y'all probably say, I ain't coming up there. <laughs> ain't no way I'm coming up there. Somebody probably listening right now say, oh, Lord, when, I get, when they get home, they're going to be asking me everything. Listen at this, y'all. Remember what I was saying about, listen at this, verse 18 in Romans 1.18. Y'all going to catch this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them. Remember I say you have an intuitive knowledge. You already know what you're doing is wrong. For God has shown it to them. So verse 20 is telling about through creation. I want y'all to keep that. And then I want to go through 21. Because although they knew God. So they can't say they didn't. Creation was showing them God. They had that knowledge within that they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts was darkened. Is that what happened to Brother Willie? He wasn't glorifying God. He knew it was wrong in the beginning, but he kept doing it, and he told you why he kept doing it. So that means he wasn't glorifying God, he wasn't thankful, but became futile in his thoughts, and their foolish hearts were dark darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now listen at this. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. Now listen what God did. Now, Brother Willie didn't get that far. He couldn't have. He wouldn't be sitting here right now. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Y'all know what that is. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burning in their lust for one another Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a disbased mind, reprobate mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. And then it goes on to tell you what they was filled with. 
What happens is when you know what's right and you choose not to do what's right and you're seeing that what you're doing is not right, you know it's wrong, then God turn you over because your, your thoughts and everything is going the way of what you're doing. It's just like you're not listening no more. You feel like what you're doing is right. So you get turned over and you're reprobate. So Brother Willis sitting over there, Deacon Willis sitting over there. Y'all heard what his excuse was, right? But something changed with him. Did it not? So you know he wasn't reprobate. Now walk right on back up here. Yes. So when somebody tell you that they didn't know what they was doing was wrong, you got some evidence. You got proof when it comes to the word of God. Not lest they reprobate and don't care. Okay. What changed in you to make you know what you were doing wasn't right? Now, you're still not saved. But what made you cut off that book? When I met my wife, how did that make you cut the book off? When you met her, now you're still not saved, though. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm still not saved. But when when I met her, you know, I saw something that I was ready to just try to, you know, settle down with. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. So you chose to leave those women alone mm -hmm. because you found the one yep. that you knew that you wanted to be with. Mm -hmm. Now listen, he wasn't saved. So tell me, do people not have a choice? So there's no excuse to say what you cannot stop doing if you choose to stop doing it. Not that he didn't do stuff that he shouldn't have done, but he know he wasn't going to do what he used to do. Right? right? Mm -hmm. So we know they did have some ups and downs. True? As you say, true that. Yes, <laughs> But you still chose to stay with who? My wife. And if you did something you ain't have no business, <laughs> you knew the consequences, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm doing this to show y'all we still know. Even when we choose somebody that we want to be with, right, and we really want to be with them, we're not going to be subject to what we do no more, right? So this is proven. You got anything else to say on that that would help people? No, just uh, that it just goes back to show that, you know, for me, how I know that God is real because how he changed me. You know, he saved me and stopped me from doing all those things that I was doing. Uh, so that's how I know that God was real. And I knew... That the day, the day that uh, I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I knew that I was for real. You know, when I when I did that, I didn't. I knew that I wasn't going to say that and then just go back out there in the world and just you know start living that lifestyle again. I right. knew when I said it that I was for real for doing it, and that was I got saved in 1996. Uh, is when I got saved, and so 
I've been walking with the Lord ever since then, 1996. But I have, um, you know, I've stumbled, you know. We, we all, all do. Yeah, yeah, but for as, uh, you know, going back and living that lifestyle and doing the things I used to do, you know, that that type of thing, you know. Now say again what kept you doing it. Say that again. Because there was fun in it. There was fun in doing it, you know, and, uh, you know, back then, you know, everybody, you know, everybody wanted to be the man, you know, back then. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, I just, you know, it was just, you know, my thing of just trying to, you know, pull, you know, different women. See, he said he could, but think about it. Where your mindset is, is where your body is going to go. If he had a mindset of, I can pull him, that's going to be mine. Then that's where his mind was, and that's where his body went, and that's where theirs went. Because he was so convinced in doing what he was doing, and he didn't hear that conscience no more. Only thing he was hearing, I'm the man. Look at all these women in this black book. And Sister Nee said, I wasn't one of them. <laughs> But look but I, now. But I just want to say this, you know, not only that, you know, I was saying that I could pull them, you know, what helped, what kept me going and motivate, you know, is when that you didn't have to pull them, they was coming to you. You know, you was like t- turning them down. So that when you. That was the spirit. Got, yeah, when you got to that level, then you, you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to give that up. So that's what kept me going. Look, look see, it's helping somebody. That's a spirit of perversion. Yeah, and this is why I say. When you become born again, if you don't get rid of them soul tides, if you don't get rid of those, th- thank you, brother. If you don't get rid of those things that was drawing you and driving you, that's hidden within you, they're going to pop back up again because you think you the man, you think you the woman, and you think everybody wants you and don't want nobody else. And that happens even when you become saved, if your mind ain't renewed according to this word of God, even though the sin nature has died and has been crucified and you got a new nature, a new life in Christ, your way of thinking is still there. And when somebody bypass you, you be like, I can get that too. Save. That's why we got to get junk out the trunk. If you always thought you looked good before you got saved, guess what's going to happen? When you get saved, you're going to be saying, I look better, but in a bad way. So we have to be so careful to check ourselves to make sure that our mind is renewed according to the word of God. Amen. So when you minister to people, they cannot say they don't know. They do know God exists because they have a conscience of right and wrong. They know what's right and they know what's wrong. They still have a choice. Go back in the Old Testament, y'all. Jesus had not come. Nobody was saved. But Noah chose to follow God. Abraham chose to follow God. Look at um, Samuel. He chose to follow God because they had a choice. So there's proof in the pudding. Amen. Do we have any announcements before we close? Any announcements? Wasn't that an inspiring message? 
Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.